Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is July the 19th, 2019. And New York, uh, the Big Apple, has become the Baked Apple. Um, Thank you for joining me. I hope wherever you are, the weather is uh, good, hopefully not too scalding, although from what I'm seeing, uh, most of America is uh, suffering through a sweltering heat wave. But at least unlike the winter, we don't have to shovel the heat, but we do need to get out of the heat uh, and cool off. And it's hard to stay cool uh, when you see the madness that's being foisted on America and Americans by the people that we elect to ostensibly represent us. Those of you who are familiar with me and are familiar with my program know that I'm a retired senior special agent of the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS an agency that in the wake of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001, uh, hard to believe, so long ago, a generation ago, meaning that many of the young people who were preparing to vote uh, may not even have been here when 9-11 happened or were very, very young and have no real understanding of the issue. Uh, and in fact, it would appear that many kids are more aware of December 7th, 1941, than they are about 9-11. This is not an accident. Uh, We have to educate our children about the existential threats that exist. That's the purpose of my program, because after those ashes from 9-11 landed on my house, uh, because I had been before Congress as a witness back in uh, 1997 on the issue of visa fraud, immigration fraud, because of the 93 attacks, My phone began ringing off the hook. Just about everybody was calling me, uh, including the producers at 60 Minutes, Mike Wallace, members of Congress, uh, newspaper reporters. It's a funny thing when you go before Congress, people become aware of your presence and your position on the issues. Uh, And so this is what what I have been doing ever since that horrific day when we lost on that day roughly as many people as we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. But in this case, all it took was 19 terrorists. Uh, And the death count continues. And in fact, since 9-11, an additional 2,000 people have perished because of uh, illness directly related to their exposure to the toxins when the towers collapsed, when the Pentagon was hit, and so forth. In fact, Another firefighter just died in New York City this past week (coughs) who was also sickened on 9-11. The death count continues. Um, And I have to make the point that it's interesting that um, Senator Gillibrand from New York, the state that was hammered the worst on (coughs) 9-11, went after Senator Rand Paul for not signing off immediately on the bill to fund the health care for the first responders And I agree, I don't know what Rand Paul was thinking. The people who went in harm's way, the people who were second need to be cared for. It's that simple. We need to care for our military when they come back with battle battle scars, if you want to call them that, wounded, crippled, emotionally messed up. We put them in harm's way. They serve us loyally with great fidelity and integrity. The least we can do is care for them and their families. But what's so remarkable is that Senator Gillibrand ignores the 9-11 Commission report, (coughs) pardon me, to prevent more terrorist attacks in the future. That's unforgivable, and it's something that we've seen from just about the entire Congress. No one even talks about the 9-11 Commission report any longer. Now, additionally, um, there's another matter that I want to get to, but again, this is the reason for my doing this program and I hope you find it helpful. And if you do, I hope you will share the information I provide you. <coughs> Pardon me. 
hang on one second. Bear with me, please. Um, <clears throat> I hope you will share the information with as many of your friends as you possibly can. We really and truly need to get people to understand what we are dealing with. This is the, the issue of the day. Now, uh, what I also want to do is tell you about um, – let me bring this up on my screen. <clears throat> you know, we hear so much about how the Senate won't work with the uh, – well, the, the members of Congress won't work with each other from across the aisle, whether it's the Senate or the House. Um, too partisan. There's just no cooperation. If only we could get the Democrats and Republicans to work together to create legislation to deal with immigration, how much better would we be? How much better would we be? Well, fasten your seatbelt. On July 10th, I want you to listen carefully. <clears throat> On July 10th, a bill was passed by the House of Representatives by a margin of 365 in favor, <clears throat> 65 opposed. 57 of the 65 who opposed the bill were Republicans. Nearly every Democrat voted for an immigration bill. It's H.R. 1044-1044. Go look it up. And you got to love the name that they've given this piece of garbage that will undermine American jobs for high-tech workers. It's called the Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act of 2019. When in the world are we going to get a bill for the Fairness for High-Skilled Americans Act. Zoe Lofgren, chairperson of the House Immigration Subcommittee, is the sponsor of this bill. I believe she's the chairperson. She is an immigration lawyer. And what it would do is provide hundreds of thousands of H-1B visa holders. You know, we hear so much about the H-1B visa. Well, all of those people with H-1B visas would be fast-tracked for permanent residence in the United States. The current estimate pegs the number that would benefit at over 300,000. Let me repeat the number, 300,000. This is the kind of bill that Bob Goodlatte, the, rank, the, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, before he left Congress, um, was very much would have been very happy with I'm sure I met with Goodlatte and he told me how much his son a computer executive go look up Bobby Goodlatte got to start with Zuckerberg at Facebook how much his son would love to bring in tens and tens and tens of thousands of brilliant programmers from India Jesse Vaughn of the Center for Immigration Studies did an analysis of the bill Jesse's an old friend of mine and what she found is that right now 25% of the H-1B high-tech visas go to people from India. The beneficiaries for this program would be 90% Indians. Exactly what Goodlatte wanted, exactly what Zoe Lofgren wants, exactly what both parties want. So when you hear, oh, if only they would work together, folks, this was almost a unanimous vote. And by the way, it was fast-tracked. There was contention about fast-tracking money for the people that were injured, made ill by the attacks of 9-11, the terrorist attacks of 9-11. This was fast-tracked. What does that mean? No hearings, no amendments. No hearings, no amendments. So while we were watching the carnival show of the so-called squad, you know, the four nitwits in the house, that got all the air out of the room. Behind our backs, July 10th, Nine days ago, the Democrats, the Republicans in the House, got together and passed this bill that is really, really bad news for American high-tech workers. College graduates, if you got a degree in computer science, maybe you better go back to school because you're going to be locked out. This is going to flood America with hundreds of thousands of programmers and high-tech workers and it's going to displace American workers, and it will further drive down the wages. The middle class is going the way of the dodo birds. Thank you, House of Representatives. And all the reports indicate that the Senate can't wait to get their hands on this bill because they're eager to vote for it. It now has, according to 
um, Washington analyst a 92% pa- chance of passing both houses. The question is, what will Donald Trump do? Well, if Donald Trump sticks to his Americans first, he will veto it. But I'm not expecting it to happen. I'm not expecting anything good to come out of our political machine. Uh, look, we have a serious problem, and the problem are the politicians. It's the lobbyists. The lobbyists, by the way, are jumping up and down calling this a huge victory. Huge victory. Not for Americans, but for India. Oh, and by the way, this would also enable more people from China to invest money in America and get green cards and a pathway to citizenship for their investments. And what are they investing in? Real estate. And what does that lead to? Increased housing costs. What does that lead to? More homelessness. But the banks will make more money on the loans, and China will be able to buy their way into our country and get even more influence over our political machinery. They are determined to take our place of preeminence in the world, and this bill is a gift to the Chinese communist government. That's what we're looking at. So when you hear the nonsense, well, the Democrats won't work with the Republicans, and the Republicans won't work with the Democrats. They have no problem getting together when the goal is screwing over Americans. That's the goal. You know, I've quoted him before. I'm going to have to quote him again. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer back on April 30th, 2009, and he referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite. Privileged elite. Think about that one. They are the privileged elite. Why? Because they're earning a wage premium because American workers are being shielded from foreign competition. That was his big concern, that these American high-tech workers were making too much money. Now, this is a guy who lives in a mansion in the Hamptons with the chutzpah to refer to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite, and also said that it's good to bring in undocumented workers, unauthorized workers, because they're a flexible labor force that only minimally suppresses the wages of America's working poor. Folks, when you minimally suppress the wages of Americans working poor, frequently our members of our minority communities, they get a new title. It's called homeless. These folks, whether it's Greenspan, whether it's Lofgren, whether it's Goodlatte, it doesn't matter. We are in the crosshairs, and it's our own government doing this to us. So when you hear the lies about how the Democrats and Republicans don't work together, they do all the time behind our backs. That's where the real collusion is. That's the real collusion. Did you hear about this in the news media? Probably not. July 10th, massive vote in favor of screwing over American high-tech workers. College graduates, look out. Your head is on the chopping block, and more and more people are going to come to, the, to America, take the high-tech jobs, and leave you on the unemployment line. The president says make America great again. His policies were forcing more high-tech workers to go to Canada. Canada was taking them. If this thing passes, and if the president signs it, everything that he promised us goes out the window. Please reach out to the White House. Please reach out to the White House. H.R. 1044 is a nightmare. It needs to not be passed. The president needs to veto it. Will he veto it? God only knows. But I'm not holding my breath. There's an awful lot of money being pumped into this. Um, And I suspect that the members of his administration are very happy with bringing in the high-tech workers. And you know what's so remarkable? We are celebrating this week the 50th anniversary of Americans going to the moon. We didn't have H-1B visas back then. We didn't bring in computer programmers from all over the world. Yes, there were some people who came here from other countries, and that's as it should be. You know, people say to me, well, then you wouldn't bring in Albert Einstein. No, I I sure would. Uh, I have a problem with Warner Von Braun and his team, although he was the person that made our moon landing possible. He was also a Nazi war criminal. And we're going to talk about Nazi war criminals shortly. 
and the unfair and outrageous and disgusting and despicable analogies being made between ICE agents and, and, and the Gestapo, the Nazi war machine. But, you know, I, I always have to make the point that for all of his brilliance, von Braun was a war criminal. It was his V-1 and V-2 rockets that rained down on London as terror weapons and killed lots of civilians. He used slave labor at his uh, factory at Penamunda where they built those rockets. There's got to be morality to what we do. That is American values as far as I'm concerned. But certainly I don't have a problem with bringing in brilliant people wherever we can find them. You know, it's like a baseball team. If you know some other team has a terrific pitcher, you do what you can to get that pitcher to come pitch for your team. But when you're bringing in hundreds and hundreds of thousands, don't tell me they're exceptional. The only thing exceptional about them is their willingness to work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions. And what astonishes me, what sickens me to my core, is that the Democrats voted almost unanimously for this betrayal of American students and American workers. I'm registered as a Democrat. I haven't voted for a Democrat in years, but I'm a labor guy. I want to see American families and American workers and American students excel. I'd love to wipe out poverty. We need to have every American live up to his or her fullest potential. And that doesn't happen when you keep bringing in foreign workers to suppress wages. You would have thought the Democratic Party would have jumped up and howled and said, how dare you? They're the ones proposing the legislation. Zoe Lofgren is a Democrat. It is a knife in the back. It is a knife in the back. This is certainly not the Democratic Party that I signed up for when I began voting decades ago. It's certainly not the party that my parents signed up for when they were alive. May they rest in peace. This is blatant. It is pandering to the lobbyists that want the cheap labor. Zuckerberg and Gates and all the others in Silicon Valley are probably doing cartwheels right now. God only knows how many checks they wrote and who got those checks. Or maybe they used cash so nobody could follow the money. God only knows. But this is a serious betrayal. This is not what the American dream is built on, folks. This is not what we ought to be doing. We ought to be encouraging more American kids to go to college, get those degrees. I favor free college education for American children living in poverty, irrespective of race, religion, or ethnicity. We shouldn't be dividing ourselves by race or religion or ethnicity. That's un-American. But children who have potential that want to go to college, if need be, give them the free education, but make certain they study courses of study that we need, not basket weaving. But why go to college when the day is coming when you'll be lucky to make more money flipping, uh, rather uh, doing programming than flipping hamburgers? I saw one story that said that some of the people that wrote the program for the Boeing 737 that crashed, the newest edition of that airplane, were making $9 per hour, possibly some H-1B visas involved. They certainly were outsourcing, according to some reports. Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to verify some of that information. But if that's the case, think about where we are. We know the price of everything and the value of nothing, certainly not the value of lives. <coughs> Pardon me. But here we get to Alan Greenspan. <clears throat> and Alan Greenspan says this about the high-tech workers. And he talks about how Silicon Valley has a remarkably large number of foreign-born workers. Sure, because they were firing Americans and displacing them, or perhaps replacing them. And then he says the quantity of temporary H-1B visas issued each year is far too small to meet the need, especially in the near future, as the economy copes with the forthcoming retirement wave of skilled baby boomers. Yes, they haven't retired yet, but they will soon as we kick them out the door. Think about that statement. <clears throat> this is in 2009. Then he says this. As Bill Gates, the chairman of Microsoft, succinctly testified before Congress on March 2007, America will find it infinitely more difficult to maintain its technological leadership if it shuts out the very people who are most able to help us compete. He added that we're driving away the world's best and brightest precisely when we need them the most. Ladies and gentlemen, in my world, we have a name for the world's best 
and brightest. We call them Americans. So you have Alan Greenspan, perhaps bought and paid for by Gates. Wealthy as Greenspan is, he's a pauper compared to Gates, parroting Gates' demand for more cheap labor. Screw Americans. He didn't say, let's go into the colleges and convince Americans to become programmers, which is what we used to do in the old days. No, go to India, bring in cheap labor, the hell with the American kids, the American workers, the American families, the American middle class. Screw them over. And that coincides perfectly with the Democrats' long-range goal, I believe, and that's to destroy the middle class. So the most conservative American voters will be forced to vote for the politicians who promise to subsidize their luxuries, like putting on their lights in their houses when they come home from a 12-hour day. This is about the destruction of the middle class by design. And that is what I believe the Democrats are doing and why they're going against American middle class workers. They talk about a $15 an hour minimum wage. They want it, what they really want, I believe, is a $15 an hour standard wage. Who will be able to afford to live without a government subsidy? And the Democrats, they'd be happy to give you a subsidy, folks, as long as they can gain total control over our government. And the Republicans, those greedy bums, all they can think about is earning statements, profitability, what they can get financially out of the system. They don't care about the long-term survival of America. They bail. Bob Goodlatte, in the wind, tried his best to see that he could get legislation passed. And Zoe Lofgren is delivering on Goodlatte's dream. He doesn't need to be a congressman. He had his shot at playing that game. Congress, right. Washington. Hollywood for ugly people. That's what it really is. If I sound angry, I am. My first wife, may she rest in peace, was a brilliant systems programmer, MBA computer science, member of the National Math Honor Society, Phi Beta Kappa graduate, and <clears throat> many of her friends and colleagues, almost all Americans, had similar academic credentials. So when Gates can be quoted by Greenspan saying, we need to bring in the world's best and brightest folks, I know who the best and brightest are. I used to be with them all the time. They are Americans of every race, every religion, but they're Americans. This is a knife in our backs at the hands of our own government. And what's so remarkable for all the screaming about how the Democrats and the Republicans never worked together, this thing went through quicker than greased lightning, and no one reported on it. There were no hearings. Boom, it's approved. It's approved. Don't tell me they don't work together. They work together every day that has a Y in it, as long as it is in favor of their wealth and their power and, frankly, screws over Americans. If that's what we come to refer to as political representation, God help us. But let me continue on with Greenspan. My rage tonight is over the top because this is such a betrayal for all the wailing about how those bums don't work together, those crooks in Washington. They work together just fine when there's something in it for them. Not us, them. So he goes on and says this, a skills shortage I trust will ultimately be resolved through reform of our primary and secondary education systems. Sure, let's flood America with more non-English speaking kids so we can pump more money into English as a second language and not create a better school system for American children, especially America's minorities and poor. Give me a break. They've got to say these things so it sounds more palatable, you know, sprinkle a little sugar on the arsenic, right? And then he says this, but at best, that improving the education system will take many years. Really? Many years? An accelerated influx of our highly skilled immigrants, however, would bridge that gap and moreover carry with it two significant bonuses. First, skilled workers and their families form new households. They will, of necessity, move into vacant housing units. Don't you just love that description of an American home lost to foreclosure? Can't you see the Norman Rockwell painting of that? 
the American housing unit, <laughs> vacant housing unit, right? Goodness, the current glut of which is the pricing prices of American homes. And, of course, house price declines are a major factor in mortgage foreclosures and the plunge in value of the vast quantity of U.S. mortgage-backed securities that has contributed substantially to the disabling of our banking system. Boy, there's one run-on sentence, isn't it? What really disabled the banking system was Greenspan's subprime damn mortgages. But let's blame it on something else, because this is all a game of bait and switch and, and, and three-card Monty and everything else you want rolled into one. It's a scam. But here's the second bonus, and this one will infuriate you, I promise. If you take high blood pressure pills, take one now. I'll wait 10 seconds. You're going to need it because your blood pressure is about to go through the roof because mine does every time I read this. The second bonus, this is Greenspan, would address the increasing concentration of income in this country. There's a group of Americans making too much damn money. Guess who it is? It's not him. It's not Gates. It's not Zuckerberg. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Greatly expanding our quotas for the rough, for the highly skilled would lower the wage premiums of the skilled over the lesser skilled. So who is getting the money? Americans with skills. Wow. Who would have thought? Go to college, get an MBA, get a PhD, get a degree in physics or programming, and now you're going to make too much damn money. That's not right, according to Greenspan. So how do we deal with these terrible Americans who went to school and worked their butts off, maybe worked two jobs at night and managed to go to college and got that degree, hoping to get a better job, a more exciting career, a more fulfilling life to better care for themselves and their families? They're the privileged elite, and you'll hear those words in a moment. Because he says this. Greatly expanding our quotas for the highly skilled, which is exactly what Zoe Lofgren proposed in that bill that went through Congress quicker than grease lightning. Greatly expanding our quotas for the highly skilled would lower the wage premiums of the skilled over the lesser skilled. That's exactly the point, folks. That's why this thing zipped through Congress faster than the speed of light. And he says this. Skill shortages in America exist because we're shielding our skilled labor force from world competition. Quotas have been substituted for the wage pricing mechanism, and in the process, we have created, and there's that term, a privileged elite. Let that sink in. Privileged elite whose incomes are being supported at non-competitively high levels by immigration quotas on skilled professionals. Eliminating such restrictions would reduce at least some of our income inequality. Income inequality. Wow. We're going to reduce it by reducing the wages of America's high-skilled workers. So the working poor won't really be making that much less than Americans who have advanced degrees. Is that the America that we know, the meritocracy where you're rewarded for hard work and an education. See, the, the whole idea to America is that anybody could go to school, get a good education, and succeed. And what's remarkable is how many reports are now being written that show that America, the American dream used to be the idea that we had the fastest upwardly mobile growing middle class in the world. No more. We have a caste system in america you're almost guaranteed that if you are born poor you will die poor that's what we're talking about because the elite don't want competition and the elite want more and more and more and more and they bought and paid our government officials they bought and paid our elected politicians and so the enemy of supporting american workers is immigration. Bring in foreign workers to drive down the wages, hire people that are more compliant. People from India are happy to work for a lot less than Americans, maybe a third what an American programmer would expect to earn, maybe a quarter. Greenspan said the same thing about the poor. You know, 
they only minimally suppress the wages. That's right. So if you could save a dollar an hour per worker and you have a factory and you're employing, you know, 300 people, $300 an hour goes into your pocket. That's how they're doing it. They just simply do the math. They do the math. And immigration needs to be running full tilt. And this comes back to a basic fundamental premise that I've had for quite some time. The immigration system is not broken. Not in the least. The immigration system is no longer a law enforcement system. The immigration system is a delivery system, delivering an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable foreign labor. That's why Zoe Lofgren wants that bill passed. She's the one who came up with it, and it zipped through Congress, and nobody noticed. It came and it went, right? came and it went, boom, like a bullet flying through the air. Nobody saw it. Nobody heard it. Nobody made note of it. Boom, there it is. Now it goes to the Senate. It'll be express track, no hearings, no discussions, no nothing. Don't tell me they're not working together, the Democrats and the Republicans. The Republicrats are doing exactly what their masters want them to do. Who are the masters? The people that write those campaign contributions. They are the employees of the special interest groups and the wealthy who write the checks. Whether it's Soros or the Koch brothers, doesn't matter. All money is green. They don't care where they get it. They just want to get their hands on it, and they're getting money to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. Otherwise, why give them money? You know, you, you worry about the cop that's corrupt, and he, and he pulls the guy over for speeding, and the guy clips a 20 onto the license, and the cop takes it. And they say, oh, the dirty cop. Well, of course, that's terrible. It's unacceptable. But why bother with $20? These people are getting gazillions of dollars not to let a speeder off the hook, but to look to allow companies to run roughshod over their employees. If you're a Democrat and you think it makes sense to oppose immigration law enforcement, then I ask you, why in the world are you a Democrat? Why in the world are you a Democrat? And so just consider what is now being done so that that delivery system that I write about uh, keeps running full tilt. And now we're going to open up legal immigration. Hundreds of thousands of people will now get green cards. They'll be here permanently. They'll bring their families here. And the beat goes on, and more Americans will find themselves on the unemployment line and, unfortunately, maybe living on the sidewalk, which is why there were cities around the United States passing ordinances to allow tents to be set up on the sidewalk. This is happening in Texas. Companies coming. Why would you in America want to have an ordinance that allow people to pitch tents on the sidewalk? America is headed the way of Calcutta. We are inundating our country with unbelievable numbers of people, which is exactly what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce wants. We are overwhelming our schools, our infrastructure, the electric power grids. Everything is being overwhelmed. The schools can't possibly do a good job, and most people don't realize it. Because on paper, it sounds so heroic. I, I want you to think about something. We've been told, that, that, that was the reason that I wrote my article. I, I hope that everybody, after you listen to my program, will go to Front Page Magazine, if you haven't done it already, and please check out my article that I wrote for Front Page Magazine. The article that I wrote was entitled, Fake News Begins with Fake Language. And um, just to give you a hint, there was, an, there was an experiment done in 1974. Um, and what it showed, that you have to read the article, you'll see. It's an amazing experiment. Just by changing some words around, people that observed a car accident, changed, it changed how they thought the accident, how violent the accident was. Imagine that. Everyone sees the same accident. It's a video. But by just changing one word, some people thought they saw a more violent accident, and it even created a week later a false memory, a false memory. That's how impactful words are. And Orwell was very clear about it. In fact, I provided something in there that I hope you find useful and pass it along to people because we're not being politically correct, folks. This is all Orwellian newspeak. Look, the way that in the appendix explaining why Orwell created newspeak, it says this. Newspeak was designed not to extend but to diminish the range of thought. 
and this purpose was indirectly assisted by cutting the choice of words down to a minimum. Aren't we doing that now with with uh, tweeting? People can no longer read more than a headline. Fewer words. Eliminate the words that provide honest understanding. Get rid of the word alien. Make everybody an immigrant. And in fact, Congressman Castro, the twin brother to the Castro running for the presidency, and the one running for the president wanted to de- wants to decriminalize all of our immigration laws, his brother wants to eliminate the word alien from every federal document pertaining to immigration. Why? Oh, it's not fair. Words matter. That's what he said. Words matter. That's right, folks. Words matter. So let's totally eliminate the difference between lawful immigrant and illegal alien. Let's no longer talk about bank robbers. Everyone is a bank customer, and everybody is making a withdrawal whether or not they had a bank book and money in the bank to begin with. They're just making a withdrawal. Don't call it a bank robbery. Call it an undocumented withdrawal. Okay? Now, look, I feel terrible for so many people that are living in poverty. They're desperate. Desperate people resort to desperate tactics and actions. That's why people die in the desert every day coming to America. But who's enticed them to come here? Both parties. Because every time the politicians give a speech, we're going to pass comprehensive reform and legalize everybody. You're telling people around the world, if only you can get to America sooner or later, you're going to get lawful status. Boom. You're firing a starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. That was the final statement that I made in my prepared testimony the last time I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Of course, I was accusing the Obama administration of that, but when you stop and think about it, it's both parties. We can't deport them all. We have to legalize them. Boom, another round in that starter's pistol goes off. Yes, if I can only get to America, I can stay forever and do everything I want. And that's not just people desperate for a job. It's criminals, it's terrorists, it's fugitives from justice. And so now we're in a situation where we keep hearing the analogy, the Gestapo, ICE, the detention centers, concentration camps. And there's actually a group, I wasn't even aware of it until I got a phone call um, from a friend of mine at DHS, Immigration headquarters in Washington was overrun by demonstrators from a group called, believe it or not, Jews Against ICE. Now, as a former immigration agent and as a Jew, boy, oh boy, you know, you get very strong emotion. But I want you to stop and think about something. Think about what the other side is doing to manipulate people. They've convinced Jews that ICE is the modern-day equivalent of the SS, the Nazi war machine. And in a way, you have to say these people are heroic. I'm serious. I'm not being sarcastic. They think that they're witnessing tyranny, and they're saying never again. And, in fact, that's what they were chanting when they overran the building. When they swarmed into the building, they were screaming never again. There is no similarity between ICE and the Gestapo. The concentration camps were death camps. They were forced labor camps. I started out talking about Werner von Braun. Thousands of people died building his rockets. I don't see him as a hero. I really can't see him as a hero. I'm glad that his abilities helped us to get to the moon and build our space program, but I don't see him. I never will see him as a hero. In my mind, he will always be a war criminal. I was named for my mother's mother who died in Poland because of our religion. Most of my parents' friends when I was growing up had those god-awful tattoos on their arms with the numbers that were put into their arms by the Nazi bastards. And I can't forget that. I can't forget that. But I suspect that many of those people that were protesting grew up as I did, with an extreme hatred towards the Nazis, towards human rights violations. And they've been sold a bill of goods that's insane, that the ICE agents are the Gestapo, that the detention centers are concentration camps, and they're showing the balls and the integrity to stand up to what they think is tyranny. But the real tyranny are those people who don't want our immigration laws enforced. Because we know that what's happened, California, sanctuary city inundated by MS-13, and who are they killing? They tend to kill the members of the ethnic Latino immigrant community 
Many of the aliens that have been rounded up this past week from MS-13 were prior deports, people who had been deported. They came back. They were here illegally. We had the same thing happen in Nassau County. And there's an interesting story about the Nassau County deal. There was an illegal alien. His street name was Felon. I'm sorry I don't have the article directly in front of me, but his street name was Felon. When you're a member of MS-13 and the people in the gang call you Felon, what does that say about the level of violence that that you're probably uh, perpetrating? Um, And they believe that he was one of the individuals who killed another member of MS-13 that they believed had spoken to the police. And the way they killed him was they carved him up with machetes and pulled his heart out of his chest. That's how they killed him. And where did they arrest this guy? He was at 26 Federal Plaza, those of you not from New York. That is the address of the federal building that houses a bunch of federal agencies, including the FBI and ICE. He apparently, according to the New York Post, was applying for citizenship. Now, I'm not sure if it's citizenship or some other immigration benefit. I'd love to know what that story is, and I'm still working my sources to try to find out what the backstory is. But think about that. Homicide detectives from Nassau County, I'm going to guess, were alerted by either Citizenship and Immigration Services or ICE that this guy that they were looking for for a while was in the building. They came in. They arrested him. That's the same thing that ICE agents do in courthouses. I know I did the job for 26 years as an agent. And you were hearing, oh, my God, you can't possibly go into a courthouse if you're an immigration agent because you're going to scare people into not showing up for court. So maybe we should make the argument that those detectives from Nassau Homicide shouldn't have gone into the federal building because now aliens are going to be afraid to apply for citizenship. Uh, If you believe that argument, I I recommend you get fitted for a straitjacket. But that's how crazy all of the propaganda is. But unfortunately, if you turn on the television, what you're hit with is a barrage, never-ending barrage of stories and statements by some despicable members of the House of Representatives calling ICE agents thugs. That's what Cuomo called them. There was an attack on a detention center uh, by a member, I believe, of Antifa who tried to firebomb the building. He was shot to death. Goodbye, good riddance. Who needs you? But the point is people are dying because of these politicians who are inciting the riots. This is worse than crying fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire. And unfortunately, people have come to believe this. And they start to scream at me. If I try to have a conversation, they'll say to me, well, they're separating the children from their parents. We don't even know if these are the parents. In fact, DHS started doing um, um, DNA testing and found that 25 to 30 percent of the kids coming with their parents aren't really coming with their parents. There's no relationship. They're being used because that's a get out of jail card. Instead of a visa, come with a kid and you're home free. So you now have a booming industry in children being used by the smugglers. When Ronald Reagan, both sides of the aisle, did this to us, Reagan was a globalist. That's the only conclusion I could come to. Gave us the first amnesty, gave us the visa waiver program, even included a confidentiality provision in the amnesty. So as an immigration agent, if I shared amnesty information with any other agency, if the FBI came to me, because I had a desk at the FBI for 10 years, and if they said, Mike, we need a file on on Joe Smith, he's a drug dealer, I'd pull up the file, I'd give them the file, and we would work together. We would share intelligence that way. But if it was an amnesty file and I provided that under Reagan's law, thank you, Ronnie, I would be committing a five-year felony. I could go to jail, lose my job, lose my pension, lose the whole ball of wax. Why? It was an open invitation to immigration fraud. It's something Ted Kennedy wanted. And again, the collusion left and right. Let's get together. And because immigration is the biggest issue, the borders, as I was told by someone involved with the Chamber of Commerce at a hearing, the border is not our first and last line of defense. I was told it is an impediment to his wealth, impediment to his wealth. So let's get rid of the borders. The Chamber of Commerce did a hell of a job on Ralph Nader. I had the privilege of having lunch with Ralph Nader a couple of years ago. We both worked for the same Speakers Bureau in Washington 
Alan Freed's associates. And I, I, I jokingly asked him over lunch what he thought of the Chamber of Commerce, and the poor guy almost choked on his food. He says, why are you ruining my appetite? They put him through hell. So the Democrats who love Ralph Nader don't seem to understand that the Chamber of Commerce tried to destroy him. They sent him hookers. They tried to set him up. And he showed such moral, strong fiber that nothing that they did worked. But this is who we're dealing with. I would argue that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is the most anti-American organization on the side of the Communist Party. But somehow... Americans aren't paying attention, and the news media is doing nothing to help them. We've now gone from referring to illegal aliens as immigrants to migrants. I've heard that on Fox News by some people. Now, I'm not saying that it just seems to be the the words we use. They call them asylum seekers. Only a tiny percentage that apply for asylum are going to be granted asylum because they don't meet the definition of an asylum applicant. The political asylum is when you live in a country and because of the regime's official policies, you face persecution because of race, religion, um, sexual orientation, or political philosophies. Then you're entitled to asylum. That's why the Jews should have been granted asylum. They were turned around. It's a very emotional word, asylum. When I think of asylum, I think about the Holocaust. And I can tell you that when I was the president of a B'nai B'rith group, Back in the 60s, back in high school and college, I went to Washington. We demonstrated outside the Lyndon Johnson administration, outside the White House, trying to convince President Johnson to get to the Russians to allow Jews and other religious minorities to leave Russia and come to America or any other country that would admit them so they could have freedom, so they could get away from the oppression. And I will tell you, it was wonderful Uh, Ralph Abernathy, who was with Martin Luther King, uh, spoke. He addressed us. He read a telegram to – there were thousands. I I believe it was estimated 10 to 20,000 of us were in Washington that day. The president sent us a telegram thanking us for our activism and our advocacy for freedom. And, in fact, he did work with the Russian government to try to get some Jews and other religious minorities out. And as an inspector at Kennedy Airport, when I began my career, I was ecstatic to be able to admit refugees into the United States. I don't have a problem with refugees as long as we can vet them, as long as we know who in the world they are. I mentioned my first wife a while back. Her parents suffered through the, through the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. They had to spend years in Italy before their applications to come to America as refugees were approved. You have got to be careful because we know that criminals, war criminals, fugitives, terrorists embed themselves in refugee flows. When we're told we have to allow the people in from Central America, they're fleeing the gangs, we have to be careful that some of those people aren't themselves members of the gangs because they are. And think about that. Put yourself in the position of a family that flees to America trying to get away from violence, and then they wake up and find out that the guy that lives two doors down is a member of the gang that they were running from when they came to America. That's why we have to have control over who we are admitting into the United States. But there's no cool heads that are prevailing here. This notion that ICE is evil, ICE is the equivalent of the Gestapo, has taken root. And the result is you have people running around screaming about how ICE agents are the, are the villains and the monsters, And we have to protect illegal aliens, even though we have no idea who the hell they are. And it gets worse. I mentioned that this guy Felon was arrested at the federal building, applying for maybe citizenship, certainly an immigration benefit. Here's an article that was published in BuzzFeed News. The date, July 17th, just two days ago. Catch this one. This is the headline. Civil servants who process immigration applications are being asked to help ICE instead. Instead of what? Folks, I spent a year as an adjudications officer. That's what we're talking about. The Washington Post did an article about those adjudicators and called them processors, like a food processor. Maybe the guy that works on the, uh, the widget line. You know, screwing a bolt into the side of the thing. You know, if you ever saw the series on TV, how it's made, you know, the guy on the assembly line that, that bolts in the door or whatever it is that he does. 
That, that's how they want people to see the job. Oh, their job is just to move the paper. Lucy at the bonbon factory. Just get that approval stamp out and keep going. Approve, 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 approve. Well, <laughs> that's nuts. Because if people commit fraud, they are supposed to face consequences. If you file a bogus tax return, if you claim dependents that you don't have, if you conceal your earnings, you go to jail. You pay a fine. Um, you know, it's serious business. Well, this is no less serious. Furthermore, I want you to realize that when you look at the, the role of immigration in all of this, it's about national security. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel were crystal clear about how um, immigration benefits were at the root of the ability of terrorists to um, actually acquire lawful status as an embedding tactic. That's what you really need to understand. So you, you have the 9-11 Commission warning us about that, and you have people saying, ignore all that. Ignore all that. We don't have a crisis at the border. I've, written, I, I've read this to you in the past, but uh, I'll, I'll read it again real briefly. This was during a hearing that was held last year by the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee in the House of Representatives, a topic, state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. Now, understand, the situation with Iran is heating up. They just seized a British-flagged oil tanker. They um, sent the drone over towards one of our ships. We shot it down. They're denying it happened. I'll take uh, our word over theirs any day of the week and twice on Sunday. We know that there were sleeper agents have been arrested throughout the United States. And so at this hearing last year, Dr. Emmanuel Ortolenge of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies made the following statement. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks, Hezbollah, of course, a terrorist organization that is sponsored, funded, and directed by Iran. It's based out of Lebanon, but Iran controls it. It's a proxy for the Iranian army. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. So the money that they're getting from the drug trade is funding all this around the world. But let's get back to Latin America, because here's the next paragraph. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is the trafficking organizations, human and drug trafficking organizations of Latin America and Hezbollah, right? This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide infrastructure they could use to strike U.S. targets. To strike U.S. targets. But let's eliminate immigration law enforcement. Let's ignore the lessons of 9-11. Let's ignore that this is about national security. Even as um, we've just authorized, I don't know how many billions of dollars to pay for the people who are sick and dying because of their exposure to the toxins that were released during the terror attacks of 9-11. And, and so then you get to what the 9-11 Commission staff report had to say about this. And I want you to realize that the 9-11 Commission staff report was published by the U.S. Government Printing Office. Its authors were the attorneys and federal agents who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission. This isn't some you know, uh, radio talk show host that gets on TV and runs his or her mouth without any knowledge. These were the federal agents that worked with the commission to gather the evidence to figure out what the hell happened and so that we were attacked not just on 9-11, but they even looked at other attacks in the decade leading up to 9-11. And as we can see what has happened since then, the, the Boston attack by, by the Tsarnaya family that got political asylum and so forth. So this continues. But, but understand that that was the purpose for these reports. What do we learn? And so we have to make certain that we never have this happen to us again. 
But we're not talking about that. So here's a couple of quick quotes. This is from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. People, in other words, lying on their immigration applications. You see, folks? And it goes on and says, for example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States, just like the aliens coming up from Latin America applying for asylum, knowing they don't have a chance in hell of qualifying for it. Okay? Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa and then applied for permanent residency. So, again, we need to arrest people who violate their status in the United States. Then page 61 has this passage. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connection to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the, quote, credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. And then we get to this quote. Terrorists in the 1990s as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen. Think about the guy saying, oh, my God, they're having those adjudicators work with ICE. This isn't right. Really? Look at what this says, okay? As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That's what DACA is, folks, or applying for asylum after entering. Again, what is happening on the Mexican border? Okay. Now, understand, it's not just the people who apply for asylum who are lying. If more and more people apply for asylum, every application has to be scrutinized. That's what the law requires. That's what decency requires. You have to look at every application. The more applications, the less time you can spend adjudicating and making proper decisions. And I will tell you, as a guy that did adjudications for a year, you can approve an application in 15 minutes, but it can take hours or days to deny one when we are flooded. There's no integrity to the system, and all it takes is one or two slipping through the process and terrorists succeed so understand what that means so again applying for asylum after entering in many cases the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated terrorists were free to conduct surveillance coordinate operations obtain and receive funding go to school and learn english make contacts in the united states acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. And in spite of all that I've given you today, you have the Democratic Party calling for an end to immigration law enforcement, and you have the Republicans sitting on their hands. It seems as though whenever we vote, it's kind of like a two-headed coin. Heads they win, tails we lose. We've got to get involved. We've got to reach out to the White House. H.R. 1044 needs to die a natural death or an unnatural death. But please get involved, folks. Please have conversations with your neighbors because understand, ICE agents aren't the enemy. They are there trying to protect us, and anybody who would interfere with ICE, sanctuary cities and so forth, are acting against America's best interests. Those sanctuary cities are the best friends that human traffickers, drug smugglers, or international terrorists have ever had. Let's get it straight. Let's have that conversation with our neighbors, and let's remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. I won't be doing my show next Friday. I'll be working on a documentary, believe it or not, but I will be posting a a podcast shortly. Have a great weekend.